Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Patriot Speed. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein, and I'm glad to be back with you guys this week. We got a nice show ready for everyone this week. So we've been doing the, the positional breakdowns uh, during the next six weeks where we're just going to go position by position, kind of go through what the depth chart looked like. Uh, Oliver Thomas of uh, 24-7 Sports is coming on later to uh, talk some offensive line stuff. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, you know, last year, the Patriots offensive line was one of their biggest weaknesses. So we'll be going over the uh, additions they made this offseason, how they can change it, and how they are going to improve. By the way, guys, if you want to talk some good uh, Patriots stuff, find me on Twitter at Sportsteen. That's at S. P-O-R-T-S-T-E-I-N. You know, I'd love to talk to you guys. Hit me up if you want to, you know, talk about some Patriots, talk about some good Boston sports stuff. Always open for a nice conversation on Twitter. And, you know, we'll uh, we'll have a good time. So let's get uh, let's get right into it, guys. So we all know this. The the Patriots offensive line last year was just it was it was bad. It was it was a bad offensive line. It it it, it caused them a couple games during the season it basically cost them the playoff game against Denver they just couldn't stop Von Miller and at the end of the day Marcus Cannon versus Von Miller you're gonna lose that battle almost every single time but you know well the most interesting thing to me about this page's offensive line is just it's it's very weirdly constructed you know so they have their two solid tackles on the outside, they have Nate Solder, they have Sebastian Volmer. We're going to go player by player. We're just starting uh, kind of the group as a whole. So you have Volmer on the right and uh, Solder on the left. Now, last year, obviously, no Nate Solder after I believe it was week three against, I want to say Miami, where he tore his bicep. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, tore his bicep out for the rest of the season. And by the way, torn biceps are a big deal. Like, that can ruin NFL players' careers. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Nate Solder next season. But no, it's the, the, the replacement tackles were Marcus Cannon and Cameron Fleming. And then they brought in Ladrian Waddle. And we, you know, then he got hurt. So their tackle position was still pretty weak last season. Once they lost Nate Solder, it all kind of went to crap. I mean, they tried moving Sebastian Volmer over to left tackle. It, it didn't really work. It, it worked, but he was just—he was just very, very inconsistent. Like he was—you he, could tell that he'd played the position before, but he didn't favor it. I think it had a lot to do with, the, with his back issues. I just don't think he could handle the speed and the power of some of those rushers that come off the left. I think you see a lot of rushers come off the right are a little more—I don't want to say tentative. But they're definitely not as aggressive as, as the uh, pass rushers we see coming off the left side. I know it's a little weird to say because Von Miller comes off the right side, and d- so do a lot of other pass rushers. But I think on average, if you look around the NFL, those people coming off that edge just aren't as big or as strong as some of those guys. You know, he handled, uh, like two years ago, whenever they played Denver, he handled DeMarcus Ware fine. And then this year, you know, again, handled DeMarcus Ware fine. But then, you know, Von Miller goes up against Marcus Cannon, and all of a sudden we lose the game. So Nate Solder coming back is probably the biggest addition, second biggest addition. I'll get to the biggest one. Is the second biggest addition that they've made this offseason. I mean, Nate Solder, his, his effect on this offense cannot be overstated. He's a great run blocker, great pass blocker. Hey, he can even uh, catch passes, as we saw in the game against the Colts a couple years ago. So it's, he's a very valuable member of this team. But the one thing that... 
just really gets me about this team. So you have Nate Solder, a guy who's coming off a torn bicep, have ha- has had kind of nicks and knacks uh, across his NFL career. Nothing, nothing too serious. And then you have Sebastian Vollmer at right tackle, guy who really throughout his entire NFL career has shown a distinct inability to stay healthy over an entire 16th game season it just it's just not in his dna he has back problems knee problems like he's he's just he's six seven he's huge he's gonna have those kinds of problems but i think his you know the injury issues are big and you think that if you have those two guys who have injury issues who have past injury problems you need depth behind them so this starts part one of what Harris thinks is wrong with the all-pages offensive line. Where is the tackle depth? I, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't get it. Brian Stork, I guess, can play tackle. Like, Marcus Cannon is awful. And I just... I, I I just don't see why they didn't stack up the tackle position. But instead, you know, I understand that what killed them last year was their just complete lack of any sort of interior um, pass blocking. Uh, you know, I like Shaq Mason. I think Shaq Mason is one of the best run blocking guards in the NFL. I think he's one of the best pull guards in the NFL. But he can't pass block for his life. Trey Jackson was g- incredibly inconsistent all season. Josh Klein was their only good uh, guard this year, but he couldn't stay on the field. He had shoulder problems. And then, you know, they had David Andrews at center, who was actually really good during the season. He was one of the most consistent offensive linemen. Then as soon as Brian Stork came back, Stork had consistency problems, and he couldn't stay on the field. And, like, they just, you know, this rotation that they kept going with all these guards, you know, whenever whenever I'd be watching a football game, I'd just be sitting here thinking, isn't consistency the most pivotal piece of, of, of the offensive line? I never really understood why Dave DeGuglio, I, I can never pronounce his name right, kept, kept this whole rotation thing going. Because he found two players in Klein and Mason who were stellar. They When they were paired up together, the... The pass blocking and the run blocking was was good. It was consistent. It was strong. Obviously, it wasn't perfect because, you know, Klein and, and Mason aren't top flight NFL guards yet, but it worked. But for some reason, just the, the, the rotation just didn't work. So instead of going for tackle depth in the draft, they go with guard depth. So where... Where's what am I missing here? I feel like you know we're all just kind of circling around this one question of why so many guards, and I don't want it to get to the point where I start posting gifs on Twitter, gifs, gifs, whatever you want to call them, of the too many cooks YouTube video for too many guards. I don't understand why there are so many guards. They drafted like three more uh, during three more picked up one more in um undrafted free agency and just there are so many guards i don't i don't understand especially after they drafted two more guards last season and then traded for another guard in jonathan cooper the guy for the cardinals that they got from chandler jones i i don't get it like i'm no offensive line expert i get that you know i'm I'm just a huge football fan. I've studied the game a lot. I think it's an incredible sport. But I, 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 I can't understand why there are so many guards. So part, part two, I guess, you know, part one's where the tackle depth. Part, part two, or part one is where's the tackle depth. Part two, why all the guards? So we'll, we'll be maintaining these questions throughout. Part three, who's going to be the actual starting five on this offensive line? Be, so we'll have, uh, like I said before, we have Oliver Thomas coming on later in the show. Great writer for 24-7 Sports. Um, he's done a lot of great things, interned in a lot of big-time places. He's a really good writer. I definitely go follow him on Twitter, at Oliver B. Thomas. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite writers. I read all of his stuff. He's, he's great. And, you know, we, we talk about who his starting five is going to be, and I won't spoil it. But I'll just give you who my, my projected starting five is. So part three, who's going to be the Patriots starting five? So, on the left, obviously, Nate Solder, I think, is going to come back healthy. Uh, All reports say that he should be ready to go for the start of the season. Um, I think it'll take a little bit getting used to. I think they'll start him probably all four preseason games just to get him back up to NFL speed. But he'll, he'll be... 
excuse me, starting left tackle. Right tackle, again, will be uh, Sebastian Vollmer. As we've talked about uh, before, I mean, there's no reason to not start him at right tackle. If he's healthy and he's ready to go, I believe he's in a contract season also. So this is a big year for him. So right tackles, left and right tackle are pretty solidified. So let, let's let's start at center. So I think one of the most least talked about camp battles going to this season is what's going to happen at center. Now, a lot of people think that Brian Stork is just going to walk right into the center position, and he probably will. You know, he'll, he'll probably end up with a starting job. But I bring this up to Oliver later. Why is David Andrews not getting more of a look? Because David Andrews, when he played last season, was quite good. He, he did. He was very good. You know, he's a little bit undersized for a center. People think that, like, he's, he's not big enough or strong enough, but he's very good skills. He's very quick off the ball. He's got, he's got a good anchor. He's got good footwork. He's just a good fundamental player, and he, ma- and he makes up for his lack of size with those good fundamentals. And I, I really did feel that once they took him out of the starting offensive line, it, they suffered. As a team, and I know Brian Stork led them to the Super Bowl. I know he was huge for them in the second half of uh, the 2014 season, but we're on to 2015 here. 20, we're on to 2016 now. And in 2015, Brian Stork wasn't very good. I'm, I'm going to be the first to say it. He wasn't very good. And, 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 you know, I know he's a Belichick guy. I know he's big and he's tough and he's got the beard and he doesn't answer interview questions. And Patriots fans love that. Blah, blah, blah. But guys, come on. From a football standpoint, he only had an okay season, if not bad. And I think David Andrews played better. So I'm not really sure why people think that he gets to just walk right into the starting job. He needs to earn this. You know, the center job, in my opinion, is still very much up for grabs. If David Andrews plays incredibly during preseason and Brian Stork does not, I have no problem with them starting David Andrews. I have no connection to Brian Stork. I think that David Andrews is a good quality backup center who has potential to be a starter someday. And you know what? He might leave the Patriots and end up becoming a starting center. I really do think that highly of him. I think coming out of a, um, a system like Georgia two years ago, those SEC offensive linemen always seem to have a leg up on a lot of the other leagues. I, I think David Andrews was fantastic. So don't be surprised if at some point we see David Andrews get a chance at that starting job, especially during the uh, the offseason. So next, let's move on to the guards. So this is where things start to get a little bit cheeky. So let's just list off the amount of guards they have right now. Ready? Shaq Mason, Josh Klein, Joe Tooney, Ted Karras, Trey Jackson, Jonathan Cooper, Chris Barker, Kavion Milton. Eight guards. Eight. Why? <laughs> that is, I'm pretty sure that is tied for, yeah, they have four guards at each position. Outside a wide receiver, which does not count because you need like 15 wide receivers. They have as many guards as they do running back. They have more guards than they do defensive tackles. They have almost as many guards as they do linebackers, and I'm pretty sure they have more guards than they do cornerbacks. Why? <laughs> I don't get why there are so many guards. Like, like You can only play two, maybe three at a time if you want to put one back in the backfield. Maybe three. Like, I, I, I just don't understand why there are so many guards in this team but you know we have to choose two starters out of eight so um people have pegged trey jackson as maybe the starter at right guard i you know <clears throat> excuse me i didn't really see it um, I mean, Trey Jackson's a good player. I mean, coming out of the Florida State system, you played with Stork for um, for a couple a uh, couple of years down there. But like, Trey Jackson didn't have a great first year. You know, he he was good. He showed he showed potential. But he, didn't, he didn't show that he was especially good at anything yet. I'm not saying he's a lost cause, but we're we're just talking about right now. I think that eventually Trey Jackson will end up turning into a good. Um, a good player once we get into their number one offseason acquisition which we're going to talk about at the end of the show but so Trey Jackson I don't think is going to be able to get the start at right guard I think that 
he was a little bit too shaky, and I think they have more consistent options. So right guard for me, I think you're going to end up having Josh Klein back there. I, he plays both guard positions. He was very very good for them last year when he was actually healthy. The first, I think, 8 to 10 games of the season before he went down with that shoulder injury and it lost a lot of his uh, momentum. He was the be- he was the Patriots' best offensive lineman. It wasn't really close. You know, no one really talked about him because he was a practice squad guy for a while that worked his way up, but Josh Klein was a very good offensive lineman last year. He was stout at the point of attack, good footwork, tried his hardest against some of the big, big defensive tackles that the AFC has to offer. I think he did a stellar job, and I really do think that he earned one of those starting guard positions. And in this case, right guard is a perfect spot for him. I think him sitting next to Volmer will cause both of them to have more confidence in themselves because they know that each of them is a stable workhorse by themselves and can really just anchor themselves. So you have the right side of Volmer and Klein. I, I, I think that's a perfectly good offensive line uh, starting on the right side. I, I think Klein's going to have a great year this year. But the left guard position is where we're going to have problems. So we have Shaq Mason, who can play left guard. Jonathan Cooper can play left guard. So can Joe Tooney. So Joe Tooney was, I want to say, a third-round pick, maybe even a late second-round pick, if my memory does serve me correctly. So you don't just draft a guard that's quote-unquote high Unless you have plans to give him some sort of significant starting time, especially on an offensive line that was as weak as the Pats was last year. But, you know, Shaq Mason had a good year last year, as I talked about before. But this Jonathan Cooper kid, we really, we, we really got to talk about. Because I remember a couple years ago when he was actually drafted. I want to say it was 2011 or 2010. So it was him coming out of... I want to say Jonathan Cooper was coming out of yeah he came he came out of North Carolina, and then they had Chance Warmack, who the Titans took, who went to Alabama, and they called both of these guys the next great guards. They went back to back in the draft. I want to say Warmack went like six or seven, Cooper went five or something, and they were they were considered to be the two best two new best guards in the NFL. Well. It, 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 it didn't happen. It, it, it really didn't. I think they went to teams that just don't have good offensive line systems. Um, you know, Warmack went to the Titans, and you know, as as great of a wide receiver core as that team now has, um, they they've never really been able to solidify an offensive line. And I think Chance Warmack was one of the, um, I guess. Worst, he, he didn't benefit from going to their team at all. He didn't grow into an NFL player. I want to say he's either on the chopping block or going to get cut, but he didn't work out. And then Jonathan Cooper, so his first year in the NFL, they tried to give him a chance to start. And then I want to say after like four or five games that he wasn't performing well, they took him out. And then once he was put back in, he broke his leg and then has just never been the same. So Patriots trade Chandler Jones for warm for um, Cooper in a second round pick. And, you know, I, I, I can't help but think that this guy still has a lot of potential. I mean, he was one of the best guard prospects in a long time coming out of college. You don't just lose that potential out of nowhere. And, you know, he's on his fifth-year option, so the Patriots are going to have to either sign him to a new deal after this, and if he wants to stay in the NFL, he needs to prove that he can actually, you know, do something. He can't just sit around and let um, and just let his career slip away. So I think that him moving to a new system, especially a system like the Patriots, which has a much more refined offensive line system, a much more refined franchise with a lot better focus on it. Not saying Arizona doesn't, but I think that Arizona was working through a lot bigger things like trying to grow a defense, trying to go regrow a wide receiver core after, um, you know, they went through so many wide receivers after Anquan Bolden left. They never really found an opposite to a Larry Fitzgerald. You know, even Michael Floyd didn't really turn out to what they were that they kind of lost a lot of stuff on that offensive line. Their offensive line is good, but it's not great. So I think Cooper kind of, you know, was just lost in the mix of what Arizona was trying to do uh, with that team. But now it comes to the Patriots. 
I, I, you know, I, I know we talked about him a lot already, but I, I really don't think that Jonathan Cooper is unfortunately going to end up with the start. I think that they're, he, they're, he's going to get a big, big look this season. They, they're, they're not just going to not try him out and give it to someone else. He's going to have a big tryout this summer. He's going to have to really show up. He's going to have to show that he's here to play. He's here to win the starting job and really fight for it. But unfortunately... I still think at the end of the day they're going to give the ball to Shaq Mason. I know that uh, I've said in previous episodes that this team is going to be incredibly pass-heavy, but Shaq Mason needs to learn how to pass block. He's an incredible run blocker. You know, It comes from Georgia Tech, that triple option offense where they only really teach their offensive linemen how to run block. And he needs to learn how to pass block. And I think the last year we saw that that was a really big liability in his game. He just couldn't anchor himself against some of the bigger defensive tackles in the NFL. Malik Jackson whipped him during, uh, during their playoff game this year. So it didn't really work out too well for Shaq Mason this year, but I really do think that Shaq Mason's going to get another look at it. I don't see a reason why he shouldn't second year player already shows a lot of potential also shows that he he's trying really hard. I know that I've read a lot of uh, stuff this offseason that he's been working out a lot with uh, with the rest of the offensive linemen to try to create some sort of cohesive consistency and just kind of get the same unit over and over and over again. And that's going to be the biggest difference we see this year. You're not going to be seeing rotating offensive linemen all the time. You're not going to be seeing those weird subsets where they bring in all these crazy amounts of guards. And sure, they'll bring in extra tackles to run block, but you know every NFL team is starting to do that now. But no, I, I think... All these guards have some sort of purpose, which eventually we'll find out. But, you know, who, who knows? We'll, we'll find that out. But as of right now, that's my starting five. We're going to go Nate Solder. We're going to go Josh Klein. Uh, Brian Stork, David Andrews is really up in the air. That's the one position I'm not going to say who I think is going to win because it could be either of those two. Then at uh, right guard, it's going to be Shaq Mason. Or, excuse me, right guard is going to be Josh Klein. And then right tackle is going to be Vollmer. So, Solder, Mason, Andrews slash Stork, Klein, and Sebastian Vollmer. So, it's going to be a very good... I think this offensive line is going to be much, much better than it was last year. Last year was easily in the bottom half of the NFL. This year... I think it's going to go back to what it usually is. It's never, you know, the Patriots offensive line has never been like top five in the NFL, but they've always been good. They've always been consistent and they've always been good enough to allow Tom Brady and the rest of that offense to work seamlessly. I think that this year we'll see a return to that stuff. But without further ado, let's get into our interview with Oliver Thomas. But first, before we get into our interview with Oliver Thomas, I first wanted to announce that this interview is sponsored by SeatGeek. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and they all sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I used it just the other day to look for tickets for the Red Sox game, and I got some great seats. It was all they're all there, and it worked out great. They pull all the tickets available on all of the sites into one place, so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek will let you know if the prices fall. Listeners of CLNS Radio get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 re- rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to settings, and click add a promo code, and add the sell the promo code CelticsBeat, C-E-L-T-I-C-S-B-E-A-T, no spaces, and SeatGeek will give you $20 off your first ticket purchase. It's a great deal. Definitely go and check it out. But now that we've gotten through that, let's get right into it with Oliver Thomas. Oliver? Uh, what do you think the starting uh, five offensive line is going to be for the Patriots this year? Obviously, they drafted, I think, three different offensive linemen this year. Weirdly, all of them were guards. But, um, you know, the tackle issues they had last year, do you think we'll see any changes on that starting five, or how do you think it'll settle out? It's really hard to say because I, I think at this point, out of every area on the roster, um, the interior offensive line is the one that no one really knows how it'll turn out. At guard, 2015 fourth-round picks, uh, Shaq Mason and Trey Jackson, as well as Josh Klein, combined to start 32 games and play over 2,000 snaps last season. And it could be argued that, Klein looked like the best guard prior to his shoulder injury. But you wonder if the addition of former Cardinals number seven overall pick Jonathan Cooper or a rookie like Joe Tooney will be cutting into the snaps of the returning trio at guard. It doesn't figure to necessarily be a rotation under Dante Scarnecchia. Um, so I think the lone certainties there are that Nate Solder and Sebastian Vollmer will be starting a tackle. Um, 
So one of the things that we saw last year at the tackle position is that once Vollmer moved over to left tra- uh, left tackle, he was he was very inconsistent, and obviously Cannon didn't uh, work out so well. But with Nate Solder returning from that, uh, I believe it was a torn pec or torn bicep. Which one was it? I think, I think uh, it was a torn, torn bicep. bicep. Torn bicep, right. You know, in the past, we've seen a lot of players struggle from coming back from that position. Uh, you know, an old Patriots linebacker my dad used to talk about said it ruined his uh, – his entire career. How do you think he'll come back from that uh, injury? I think he'll come back fine. You know, I, it, it is interesting to see that he wasn't at organized team activities, at least the five that were open to the media. But I, I'm not really worried about Nate Solder necessarily. I think the bigger question is um, who is going to be the top swing tackle um, behind Solder and Volmer, who are going to be free agents after 2017 and uh, 2016, respectively. There's Marcus Cannon, Adrian Waddle and Kevon Milton, and it'll be interesting to see whether Waddle, who started 24 games for the Lions and is only 24 years old, performs at a level that makes Cannon possibly expendable at swing tackle. Because Cannon is, uh, he's in the final year of his deal, and he's carrying a cap hit of north of 4.7 million. Uh, we mentioned before how many guards they have, and you know they, they drafted three of those guys. Uh, I think it was. Tooney and then the, uh, the the Alex Karras or Callis, the uh, the cousin or the excuse me the uh, nephew of the uh, late great uh, Karras, the Hall of Famer. But um, you know they bring in all these guards. Can you kind of give me your depth chart of uh, how you think the uh, of what you think the uh, guard rotation will look like? Um, it's it's funny because one aspect that makes the fifty three so tough to project in June is the health of Trey Jackson and Josh Klein because they went, underwent off-season procedures and weren't participating in the OTAs. And you think if either of those guards opens camp on the reserve list, one of the reserve lists, they may very well stay there through the first several weeks of the season and add further flexibility to the 53. So I, I think at this point, I, I would pencil in Shaq Mason as the left guard and either Joe Tooney or Brian Stork as the center. And at right guard, I want to say Jonathan Cooper. But that's, that's just a guess at this point. <laughs> so, you know, one of the bigger camp battles, I think, uh, going into the season that a lot of people haven't talked about is going to be the battle at center. Because like you said, Joe Tooney's coming in, can play center, as can Brian Stork. But, you know, to be honest, David Andrews last year, when given the chance to play, looked good. And, I mean, you know, once they took him out of the lineup, I don't want to say it was because they took him out, but, you know, he was kind of their one consistent theme throughout. And once Stork came back, obviously they replaced him, Stork winning the uh, Super Bowl with the team. But do you think David Andrews has a, uh, a chance to maybe crack that center spot if he has a uh, good camp? I certainly do. I, I think when you look at the number of snaps he played early in the season, he was in like the Patriots' lone uh, Iron Man through the, basically the first eight or nine weeks of the season. And uh, I, I don't see a reason why he couldn't be the starting center. I'm just curious if um, the versatility around him might make it difficult for that to happen. You know, whether Stork is going to maybe kick out the guard or maybe be used as a reserve tackle where he spelled in last year. It's really, it's, it's going to be a very close battle, I think. And I think it's pretty close to 50, 50. Very, very nice. Um, you know, so looking at their uh, current roster right now, obviously one of the names that kind of sticks out to me is Cameron Fleming, you know, guy from Stanford drafted, in the sixth round a couple of years ago, struggled when given a chance this year and probably fighting for a spot on the roster. Do you think he'll be able to make the uh, 52, or what do you think will happen with him? Well, based on how his uh, 2015 season began on the practice squad, I'm not sure it gets any easier for Fleming this year. Um, it's, is he truly a guard? Is he truly a tackle? Or is he someone whose role might be back where it was as a rookie, where he was kind of a jumbo tight end now that Michael Williams is on injured reserve? It's, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a, pr- a pretty uh, steep battle for him to make the 53. So one of, their, uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, offensive lines acquisitions they made this year wasn't even a player. It was Dante Scarnecchia, uh, world-renowned as one of the best offensive line coaches in the history of the NFL. Maybe even the greatest. I know that Belichick, whenever you ask him a question, just, you know, could go on and on about how incredible of a coach he is. So given a year or two off, how do you think Skarnecchia will come back? 
and affect this offensive line? I think it will be relatively seamless. Um, <laughs> I think the, the hardest work is, you know, going to be through the OTAs that have already happened in the training camp. And I, I think that it's primarily the technique and the competition that he's been influencing that's going to make a big difference. You wonder if someone like uh, Trey Jackson or Marcus Cannon might really pick up on that. Players that Skarnickia helped get to New England through the draft when he was working as an advisor, you know, now now he's back to coach them. And it, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a very positive influence. But as I noted before, I think one thing you'll notice is it'll probably be less of a rotation than it was under Dave DeGuglielmo. Mm-hmm. When, you know, Dave uh, DeGuglielmo, I can never say his name right. Um, a lot of people question a lot of the things that he did with the rotation. Uh, kind of came out afterwards that the players weren't too hot on his coaching style, just, you know, they, they liked Skarnicki is more. I remember, I don't think Nate Solder said this, but there were rumors around that him especially was the one that was most upset by, uh, by the former offensive line coach's tactics. With Skarnicki coming back, do you think that consistency will help put the Patriots offensive line back on track? Yeah, I think the consistency, someone who's, who's been around, you know, Foxborough as long as, uh, you know, he was – he arrived in Foxborough and John Hanna was there. So I, I think it's a, the continuity is going to be important, and I think you'll see that in, in more of a, a, a straightforward five-man offensive line, less rotation, and uh, I think that'll help with familiarity. That'll help um, give way to continuity. Mm-hmm. Now, last season we saw the Patriots uh, pick up Adrian Waddle kind of in the middle of the season, you know, right off, I believe it was the Detroit Lions practice squad, not really a well-known about player. And the only time he actually got to play, he ended up getting hurt. So no one really saw him actually do anything. Is he a serious player on this roster? Or is he just a guy who's filling out the camp spot? I think he's a serious player. I, I don't think the Patriots would have claimed him off waivers if they didn't think he had the ability to play. Um, you know, former undrafted free agent out of Texas Tech, and, you know, he went on to be a starter for the Lions. And, he, you know, and he performed quite well with the Lions before he suffered a torn ACL and he's kind of had a difficult time regaining his form, it seems. But, um, yeah, he, you know, he had a shoulder injury of his own last year and it kind of stunted his growth, at least playing time Mm -hmm. when he, when he arrived late in the season. And I I do think that his, his, uh, he has an opportunity to be the top swing tackle, Mm -hmm. uh, instead of cannon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the questions I think that I've wanted to the most, and a lot of Patriots fans that I want the most, especially my father, um, why do the Patriots have eight guards on their roster right now? It, it makes no sense whatsoever because none of these guards, you know, looking at them now between Jackson Cooper, Barker, Milton, Mason, Klein, Tooney, and Karras, none of them can play <laughs> tackle. And right now the weakest probably link on this roster is the depth of tackle. What's with all the guards? <laughs> you know, it's a good question. It's a fair question. I think that um, several of them have the versatility to play a little bit of tackle. Obviously, you don't have the same length. Um, and I think so, a couple of them also offer, you know, flexibility as a center. Um, it's funny because uh, Scarnecki actually said, he just said, the more the merrier, which is how he described the interior offensive line situation with the guards. And, I, and at this point, I think, the competition will probably, you know, it'll uh, iron sharpens iron, and that'll that'll be uh, decided in the training camp certainly. Um, like it's it's just an area where obviously it was uh, below average last year, and they're bolstering it. And I wonder if um, that'll possibly make it where one of last year's starters is expendable. Mm-hmm. Now, with all the guards they have, and, you know, we talked about how Brian uh, Stork is a pretty versatile player. You know, I, I heard some rumblings that they were going to give him a shot at one of the tackle positions just to see if they can shore up some more depth. depth excuse me. Is, is that a realistic possibility? Can he actually play tackle in the NFL? Well, he did it for a few snaps last season. I'm not sure if he has, um, you know, the necessary length. You know, Patriots offensive tackles are typically, well, at least – with Solder and Volmer, they're six foot eight. You know, Stork isn't six foot eight, but he does have versatility. I'm not sure he'd be a starter at tackle, but I mean, he's another one to factor into the mix as maybe the third or fourth option there if it helps them make the roster. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, one more thing, or a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, so, Ted Karras, a uh, guy they brought in, late-round pick. Obviously, you know, Alex Karras, one of the great offensive linemen in NFL history. Oh, Ted Karras probably won't end up living uh, to the bill of his uncle. But I'm um, still a good player, had a pretty good college career. Do you think he's a guy who can stick onto this team? Uh, I think he has, do you think he has a good future? You know, I, he's, uh, I think he's, a, a, from the onset, I think he's a pretty reliable, traditional guard. You know, he, he can play a little bit of center. Uh, it's, uh, it's a spot where there's just so many guys ahead of him right now uh, as a late-round pick. But if he could sneak through the practice squad, I think that would be a, a real asset for the Patriots down the road. Nice. And, you know, last question before we uh, let you go here. So the offensive line as a whole was one of the Patriots' biggest issues last year. They really made strides to try to make it better going into this offseason, obviously with all the guards. Maybe they could have picked up another tackle or two in free agency, but they seem pretty happy with Solder and uh, Volmer going to uh, next season. So I want your prediction. Out of the NFL, where do you think this Patriots offensive line will rank? Do you think it will be in the better half of the NFL or the bottom half like we saw last year? I think it will be in the better half. I think that's almost by default um, with the number of moves they've made this offseason, if, if the renovations, and with Dante Skarniecki back, I, I think you will definitely see improvement. I, I would be surprised if it was anywhere close to the same offensive line in terms of performance as it was last season. Very nice. All right, Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I want to thank Oliver Thomas for uh, coming on and helping us out with some of these offensive line questions that we have. Like I said, go follow him on Twitter at Oliver B. Thomas. He's a, he's a great writer, good kid. Just, you know, dude, he, he does a really good job with the Patriots. He works for 20, uh, 24-7 sports. So uh, go check him out at Oliver B. Thomas, and he'll, uh, he'll give you some good Patriots stuff. But now let's get into what I keep talking about all show. Who is the Patriots' number one offseason acquisition it wasn't any of the guards they drafted it wasn't any of the corners they drafted it wasn't terrence knighton it wasn't it wasn't anybody it wasn't shay mcclellan blah 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 ladies and gentlemen Dante scarnecchia the greatest offensive line coach maybe in the history of the nfl is back on the new england patriots and that is a cause for celebration that is a huge deal for the New England Patriots to bring him back because as great as Dave DeGuglielmo, I still have no idea how to say his name. I will continue to sound stupid attempting to say it. Um, as great as he was, it was very clear that we kept hearing reports that the Patriots players or the Patriots offensive linemen weren't huge fans of his system. They didn't like the rotating. They didn't like the rotating offensive line. They didn't really like the way he did things. And remember, a lot of these guys, you know, let's just look. And their uh, their official de- their depth chart right now, you know Shaq Mason, Trey Jackson, Josh Klein, Jonathan Cooper, Joe Tooney, Chris Barker, Ted Karras, Kevin Milton, Stork Andrews, Solder Cannon, Fleming, Vollmer, and Waddle. A lot of those guys, I want to say at least seventy five percent, are all Dante Scarnecchi drafted players. All those guys were drafted under his regime, or now that he's returned, were drafted this year, handpicked by him. He doesn't just draft any offensive lineman. He drafts his offensive lineman. Anytime that the Patriots have drafted an offensive lineman with uh, as a um, uh, with Scarnecchi on the team, I don't question it. I don't. He. He knows what he's doing. I'm sorry, Patriots fans. I know we all think that we know better, but when it comes to offensive linemen, there might not be a better, a, a better chooser or, or, I guess, decider or judge than Dante Skarnecchia. He, he handpicks offensive linemen. Belichick does not pick an offensive lineman without going through the great Dante Skarnecchia. So with all these guys now, you know, when the rotation is gone, we're going to go back to the consistent system that we always talked about. I think we're going to see a much better offensive line with him in there. But, you know, let's just go through some of these later guys and think, you know, what can Dante Skarnecchia do with them? So first off, let's start with Ted Karras. Obviously, I think he's the nephew or the great nephew 
of the uh, the late great Alex Karras, one of the best defensive linemen. I think I kept calling him an offensive lineman uh, a couple times uh, throughout the show. Defensive lineman, part of the fearsome foursome, uh, played for the Detroit Lions for for a very long time. One of the one of the best defensive tackles ever. So you know now here's his nephew, great player, um, in college, four year starter out of Illinois, six three three oh five. He's a big big guy. And you know the the one thing uh, that um, uh, who was it? Uh, I think it was Mike Mayock who said that like while this guy is just big and he's strong, he's not very quick, which is why he played offensive tackle at Illinois and is definitely moving inside to offensive guard. I agree. I don't think he has the speed or the uh, footwork to play on the outside tackle position. He Ted Karras was probably the one pick that I I kind of raised my eyebrow at because why do you take take Joe Tooney? And already have traded for Jonathan Cooper, then take a pure inside offensive lineman in Ted Karras. Excuse me. Then that was the one pick that I didn't really understand. But again, will not question any offensive lineman taken by Dante Skarnakia. Will not do it. Not my place. So Ted Karras, I think, will be a good player. He'll probably end up being someone that we see on the practice squad. I don't think he's going to end up making the final 53. You know, late round pick. Um, offensive linemen where they're so incredibly deep, especially on the inside. You know, he might be a pretty good player someday, but you know, I think he's definitely going to be more of a uh, project player to try to bring him up to the NFL speed. So uh, next guy is Cavion uh, Milton, who you know played in the NFL for a couple years. I believe he's been on the practice squad for uh, a little while now from Louisiana Monroe. Another uh, Dante Scarnecchia brought in guy. So he's. Kevion Milton has played offensive tackle. He played in college, played a little bit in the NFL, but has kind of settled in a guard. He's not going to make the roster. You know, he's he's an okay player, but he's probably the guard that is least likely to actually make the team. He probably has the lowest uh, ceiling of anybody on the roster. This isn't to insult the guy, obviously. You know, it just yeah, that, this is just the nature of things. Um, but no, he 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 could be a good player. He might show up a little bit in um in Pages training camp, but for the most part. Not someone that I think we're going to be having our eye on too much. One guy I do want to talk about, though, is Chris Barker. So Chris Barker has been a guy that they've had on their team for a couple of years now who, whenever he's played, I've always enjoyed watching him. I think he's a guy who anchors really well in the offensive line. I think he's a guy who has a lot of forward strength. You know, he's 6'2", 300 pounds, big, big guy. He's a good run blocker, not a great pass blocker coming from um, the Nevada system. It just he he's a player that I think if they actually put some time and to work into, I think he could actually end up being a pretty good guard. I think he's got a lot of power in his legs. I think he's got a very good push off the ball. But then again, his one problem is that he's very very slow to react to things. His his problem is that he can't he can get the initial push off okay, but it's the continuation of play that he always seems to have a problem with in um in training camp or whatever we see him start. He just like he can start off really well but eventually just gets pushed aside. He's simply not quick enough or has the short area quickness to stay with some of these bigger and faster defensive tackles for long periods of time. But that's something that Skarnecki has worked with a lot. I mean for Christ's sake he turned a, a three-time high school wrestler into one of the best guards of all time. So, you know, Chris Barger could be a decent player. Once again, probably not a guy we're going to see make the 53. Definitely a practice squad guy. I definitely think with a um, a little bit of work, he could turn into a pretty primetime player. So another person that we need to talk about, this is probably the guy that I've wanted to talk about the most, is Joe Tooney. So Joe Tooney, uh, was you know out of NC State. He's a big dude, 6'4", 300 pounds, you know what was one one of the better um, um, excuse me, one of the better guards or one of the better offensive linemen coming out of uh, coming out of that conference. I really like him. Taking to the third round of uh, this year's draft, really good buddies actually with uh, Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback that they drafted, also out of NC State. But I think Joe Tooney is going to be a really good player. This is a guy that if you watch his tape, he's versatile, he's quick, he's powerful, he anchors really well, has very good footwork. This guy screams Dante Scarnecchia. This is the most stereotypical Dante Scarnecchia offensive lineman ever drafted. This is going to be a good player. I think Joe Tooney is going to end up being a starting offensive lineman for this team for a very decent amount of time. Maybe not this year, 
probably next year. Who knows? We'll see. You know, we never really know how the cookie is going to crumble. But Joe Tooney for me right now might have the most potential of any guard currently on the roster. I've, I'm very high on him. Six four, three hundred pounds. Like I said, I you know mature guy, four year starter at NC State. The, the, these are the kind of guys that can gel together an offensive line. Joins up with a really good leadership. I know I've questioned his play a little bit, but the one thing that Brian Stork brings to the table is that leadership. And I think that Joe Tooney is in is cut from the same cloth as him. Really tough guy. Um, I, I think I saw a, a story somewhere. That I don't know if this is Ted Karras or Joe Tooney, but one of them like screams into a wall before every single game and just something crazy. So, you know, whether or not that was Joe Tooney or, Alice, or uh, uh, Ted Karras, I'm not really sure. But I, I really do think that Joe Tooney is going to end up being a really good player. Um, I think put in the hands of Dante Scarnecchia, he's going to turn him into a star. I think we're going to see him in a couple years turn to a fine, fine offensive guard. So the next person uh, we need to look at is Josh Klein. So I mentioned Josh Klein about how he played super well, but he ended up losing out a lot of the playing time to that shoulder injury he suffered later in the season. And... I think that with Skarnicki back, remember Klein is a guy that um, that the Patriots brought in a couple years ago, been sitting on the practice squad for a while, really waiting for his chance. And that's the one thing I think I, I did enjoy about the offensive rotation is that, you know, the Patriots offensive line was usually just the same five guys unless an injury hit. But last year we finally saw the how much potential a lot of these guards has. Because remember, they had a lot of guards going into next, uh, going to last season. They brought in Trey Jackson. They brought in Shaq Mason. Josh Klein had been on the um, on the uh, uh, practice squad for a while. As you know, David Andrews was brought in as an undrafted free agent. So they had a lot of new guys who all needed to get NFL time. And I think that Josh Klein was the one who really showed up the most. I think that he. Uh, ended up being the Patriots' best all-around offensive lineman last season. And I think put in the hands of Dante Scarnecchia again, I think he's going to get even better. I think he's probably the one pure guard, maybe one or one of three guards on the team who are just pure guards, who they're not going to try to move around, maybe put him at center, but he's Josh Klein's staying at guard. I think he's going to be one of the more stable pieces of the team this year. You're not going to see a lot of moving around with him. He'll win that starting job in camp, and he'll carry it through the year. He's going to be a very good player under uh, Skarnecki again. So good for uh, Josh Klein. Glad to see him really turning into a nice player, especially a guy that we've all known as a practice squad warrior for a uh, – a uh, very long time. So the next guy is Jonathan Cooper. So Jonathan Cooper's biggest problem in the NFL so far has been endurance and consistency. When he's really, when he's good, he's quite good. But when he's bad, he's very bad. Um, and that's the one thing I I don't know if Skarnekia has control over. Now I know it's a weird thing to say. Just saw can coaching have control over consistency, but. A, a part of me has always noticed that like that's one of the bigger problems with the Pages offensive line for as long as I can remember. They've always had a, a lot of talent. They've always obviously had Tom Brady behind center leading the charge. But I've always just gotten a, a, a very obvious sense of inconsistency from them. Even during the 2014 season, that offensive line was was very up and down. And now in games that they were fantastic, i.e. the Super Bowl, they were they looked like the best offensive line in the NFL. But in games where they were bad, i.e. the first half of the Baltimore playoff game, they're awful. So I feel that like the, con- the consistency of this offensive line is the one thing that they've never really been able to crack. And I think Jonathan Cooper is going to have to kind of change himself with Dante Skarnecki. I mentioned before that the Patriots have a very good offensive line system, and with Skarnecki back, that will continue, and they will continue to make his skills better. But Cooper is going to be, have to be the one who changes up his consistency more and makes it better because as of right now, it's unacceptable how many times uh, the Cardinals would put him in and he would just give up stuff, give up sacks, give up yards. It's not good. I'm not saying he's bad. I think he has a ton of potential, but he needs to do it on a more consistent and just a bigger time basis. So the last person that we're going to talk about before we finally get off of offensive line, and then I think next week or um, whenever uh, we whenever we keep doing the positional breakdowns, I think it's a six-week thing. We're going to go into wide receivers and tight ends. But last thing on the offensive line I want to talk about is my guy, David Andrews. So we're going to – so I mentioned before what kind of player he is. But remember – 
he has not yet felt the sweet and subtle touch of Dante Scarnecchia. He has been he was a Dave DeGuglimo guy last season. Um, undrafted free agents, usually the undrafted free agents are Belichick's guys. And honestly, he ended up being probably one of the better undrafted free agents the team has had in a while. Obviously, he's no Malcolm Butler, but you know the team has had some decent success with undrafted free agents over the year, and David Andrews fits right into that list. Like I said, guy out of Georgia, this will be his second year, started I think six or seven games for the Patriots this season, played pretty well whenever he was actually in there. I think we missed... Um, I think we were distracted away from him because the center isn't really a flashy position or a glamour position like the tackle positions are. And with how much flux was going on with those tackle positions, with Vollmer moving to left tackle, Solder leaving and or Solder getting hurt and Cannon being awful and Fleming not doing any better and Waddle getting hurt, like it is we, we, we lost focus on the fact that this this is a good young player. A good young player with a good future on this team and is gonna fight for a spot. And I think that you put him in the hands of Skarnecchia, I, I can't, every single time I watch Dave Andrews, I see Dan Coppin. I do. I, I see the same slightly undersized, but just raw power, raw strength, good fundamentals, and he's also a good snapper. That's the one thing that's always bothered me a little bit about Brian Stork. I don't know if it's just me, but every so often, he'll just have just awful snaps. The snap will be fumbled, it won't be good, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure what it is. But I'm not saying that Andrews is better than Stork. Stork is obviously Super Bowl champion. This is going on his third year. He's starter for the past whenever they, you know, since he was since he was uh, brought in the NFL, there was a starter. He just has to deal with injury stuff. But I think Skarniecki getting his hands on David Andrews is going to be incredible for the young player's career. I think he's going to be a stud on this offensive line. I think he's going to be able to really grow as a player and turn into one of the team's best offensive linemen. And by the way, even if he doesn't, he's going to leave and go start somewhere. This isn't a player who is just going to sit on the bench for a while. If he does not get a starting job with the Patriots, he will start somewhere else. I guarantee you that. He's a good young player. Someone is going to come after him and try to pluck him away. So, you know, with all those young guys that they have on here, I'm not going to talk about the uh, the top five because obviously we've talked about them a ton, and I'm also uh, a little bit ready to move on from the offensive line stuff. But, you know, I think I think this is going to be – a very good improvement for the Pages offensive line this year. I think that bringing back Skarnecki and adding that uh, added air of consistency to this team is going to be absolutely massive for this Patriots offense and with all the weapons that they have going to this offseason they really really need the offensive line to be stable and allow that offense to keep moving so because if the offensive line is bad they're not gonna be able to get the ball to Bennett and Gronk and and, uh, Edelman and uh, Amendola they're not gonna be able to get the balls to those guys and also they're not gonna be able to run the ball they need to be able to run the ball despite not having a lot of running backs Deion Lewis has looked great in camp so far as Excuse me. As has DJ Foster. So they, in order to make let these guys make their plays, the offensive line has to be a lot better than it was last year. And I think with the coaching improvements and the amount of quality players that they have, I think that they'll be right on cue and will improve going to next season. That's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription, rating, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show is presented to you by the SeatGeek ticketing app. Once again, use the promo code CelticsBeat for a $20 rebate when you download the SeatGeek mobile app. It's a great deal, and it helps us support the show. So but uh, first off, I want to give a shout-out to everyone who tuned in and listened this week. I want to thank our guest, Oliver Thomas, from 24-7 Sports to help uh, for helping us out with those offensive line questions. I want to thank CLNS Radio Executive Producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. For all those guys, I'm Harris Rubenstein. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Radio.